2: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: Biden officials are confronting even more inflation with prices rising 7.9% since last year, the third month in a row with inflation at a 40-year high. The president reasons a large contributor to inflation this month was an increase in gas and energy prices as markets reacted to Putin's aggressive actions. But Stephen Ratner, former Obama economic advisor, tweets, well, no, these are February numbers and only include small Russia effect. This is Biden's inflation and
1: he needs to own it.
4: The president's statement blames the Putin price hike. Are you guys just going to start blaming Putin for everything? Until the midterms?
2: Well, we've seen the price of gas go up at least 75 cents since President Putin lined up troops on the border of Ukraine.
4: Yeah, well, it's already headed that
3: direction. Um, Oh, boy, speaking of inflation, Jack, the president has announced that Russia has lost its most favored nation trading status, which means a rise in tariffs on Russian goods. Oh, my God. Judy and I, we're going to have a caviar party tonight. With Russian vodka coming out of a carved ice vodka fountain, and now it's ruined. <laughs> and now it's ruined. Thanks. Oh. So, so uh, obviously that was just a teeny bit of sarcasm. What Russian products? The agricultural stuff, I guess. Wheat, gas, okay oil. Okay. So the places that they're still selling the stacking dolls,
4: those are those are Russian. The places they're still selling uh, oil and gas too. They'll get dinged on that, I guess. Um, I guess. So uh, well, we're not we're not
3: importing that anymore.
4: I guess all's fair in uh, love and politics, but uh, that's pretty uncool. That trying to pretend the yesterday's inflation numbers are because of the war. I don't know if that how many people that worked on. Since inflation had been going that direction and the war well, I don't most people wouldn't know this. There's only three days of that the month uh, that included these inflation numbers that included the war. The, uh, God, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with some economists saying the next monthly numbers that include all of the war are going to be crazy. Like, stop the presses, everybody's talking about this crazy. So look wow. forward to that in one month. The Dispatch, which I like, did a breakdown of yesterday's not good inflation numbers. Thursday's report represented more than just the same old. It was much worse. The underlying sources of inflation are evolving, said a Harvard dude. And a Barack Obama dude, by the way. Uh, Inflation was higher for core services than for durable goods in February. That's the first month that that has been true since high inflation began last spring. When costs first started setting off alarms last spring, 4.2% annual inflation. Geez, do you remember that? We were all going crazy at 4.2%. Oh, this is horrible. Because we'd been at
3: 2% (laughs) our whole life. I'm certain I didn't use that tone of voice.
5: (laughs) Oh, no, this is horrible.
3: (laughs) The, phenom- the
4: phenomenon could mostly be explained away by a combination of post-pandemic supply chain snags and base effects measuring against artificially low prices a year earlier, blah, blah, blah. Used cars and trucks, appliances and energy industries affected by the semiconductor shortages or long ramp up periods accounted for almost the entirety of the overall surge. That's why the administration was saying it was going to be temporary. Temporary. You know, they got to get the, the, the water out of the hose or the kinks or whatever on the supply chain with the semiconductors because, you know, and they had a decent argument. But that more modest initial route of inflation was compounded over the last 10 months by additional pandemic stimulus, further supply chain hiccups, an incredibly tight labor market, and ultimately shifting consumer and business expectations. The price increases have metastasized, setting off a chain reaction throughout the economy that will be difficult to contain. Inflation has gotten very broad and gotten a lot of momentum, this Harvard Barack Obama economist said. Services inflation is more inertial than goods inflation and more responsive to tight labor markets and labor expectations. Expect it to continue to rise. I haven't heard anybody, by the way, saying it's going to be over anytime soon. Have you? No. I mean, I realize you get 100 economists, you get 100 different points of view, but I haven't heard one of them say it's going to end anytime soon.
3: Well, no, and the tools that are generally used to quash inflation are rather painful. What What you have to do is just choke the economy choke it into zero or negative growth uh, until there's less cash ch- chasing goods and services. And then, Although, uh, honestly, you know, with our population not really rising, except through illegal immigration mostly, um, how much economic growth do we need? I mean, you were—if the economy stayed exactly the same, just as individuals, I'm talking about you, me, our listeners, and everybody. You know, you work hard, you you think smart, you work your way up through your company, or you start a business, or something like that. You grow your own personal economy. I don't know that we need to uh, constantly be making sacrifices or doing dangerous things to always have economic growth. I know I personally am growing four percent annually.
4: <laughs> beautiful. I weigh myself at the end of every month. I think, well, annual, let's say I was about a pound annualized. That's about uh, 12 pounds. There you there go. That's Moving pretty good up. For
1: the year.
0: <laughs>
4: Moving up. One more paragraph on this. Looming over all the discussion of services, of course, is the reality that many commodities and goods are now facing additional upward price pressures thanks to the most forceful bout of economic warfare between countries in recent memory. Although the first day or two of the Ukraine-related sanctions and uncertainty were captured in February, um, The bulk of those increases won't show up until next month. So that's when the numbers are going to be OMG.
3: Wow. Wow. Oh, and hey, it's probably worth mentioning, we're going to talk to the fabulous, the clear-eyed, the plain-spoken He Chen in segment three of this hour. If you're listening live. About uh, what? Wordle? Uh, No. (laughs) There's a freaking war going on.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a freaking war
3: going on. Well, that's true, yes, but we're going to be talking about inflation and uh, domestic policy and that sort of thing, the Biden administration, how much trouble they're in. Lon He's terrific. If you don't know him, stay with us. Quick guess. I'll
4: ask him at the end. Do you think he's playing Wordle on a regular basis? Lon He?
3: Yeah. Super smart guy, but very busy, serious guy. Maybe I'm just flattering myself. I think, like me, he played it for several days, then thought, meh, this isn't so interesting. He's got young kids. He probably is. Yeah. He might not be playing Wordle. He's on planes a lot, though. Good thing to do on a plane, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, if you're connected to the Internet. I never get the Wi-Fi. It sucks. Anyway, uh, I have been studying. Speaking of geniuses, policy what do you do geniuses. With the, what do
4: you do on a plane if you ain't got no Wi-Fi?
3: I read. You read. I caveman. Read. Like a book? Or I yeah, or, I, or you know, my, my Nook on my uh, iPad, oh, or I listen okay. to music. There you go. Soothes my uh, savage beast of a soul. Uh, so, anyway, speaking of super geniuses, I have been studying the speech patterns of one Kamala Harris, and and <laughs> and and there are certain aspects of her stumbling, fumbling, bumbling strings of mediocrity that have eluded me. But I just figured out what is really at the heart of her her speech. So, we're going to play you some examples. And I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in with that final, final ingredient that is critical to her stew of blathering.
4: Okay, I was just passing it off as dumbness, but you have a special ingredient that well, is Well,
3: yeah, but, but dumbness, Jack, 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 you're not a, a linguist like I am, a, a, a cunning linguist, an amateur linguist. I, I have figured out her precise subcategory of dumb, which I think is important to
4: understand her. I leave you with one text that I just got from a friend of mine. Cheapest gas around, Taco Bell, $1.39. <laughs> wow.
3: Wow. That's that's just not good. We'll that's be terrible.
2: Right back. Armstrong and Getty The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: The world has gone mad. Mad, I tell you. Uh, we're going to talk to Lon He Chen about a number of different things coming up in a little bit. We always like a conversation with him. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, always enlightening. Love, Lon He. You know, you're using the term mad. Mad, I tell you. Reminds me, I'm, I'm jealous of Brits for a couple of reasons in terms of verbiage. Number one, I'd like to be able to pull off Kant. I can't Ooh, imagine how he would do that. Too too too, too close? Too dicey. <laughs> no, Kant. Like Immanuel Kant. Anyway, <laughs> you should see Jack's face. Anyway, um, uh, and the other thing is missiles. Oh. Missiles rain down on Mariupol. I mean, it's grim, but I just it sounds classy when they say missiles. I just now, say I mean. would not say aluminium. That sounds dope. <laughs> How about advertisements? Hmm, I'm
4: on the fence. <laughs> um the other great thing about being a Brit is you can just let your teeth go, apparently, and nobody'll say
3: anything. Oh then we're in the dream. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that. So we got this uh, note. It's it's one of a couple on this theme from Jack, different Jack, not Jack here, that Jack. After listening to your segment on the latest Kamala Harris speech from Poland with her multi-directional flanks and her other speeches that sound like a not prepared for a book report word salad. Right. Uh, I had a realization. I've heard that style of speech uh, before on your show, and 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 he requests a little side by side with uh, perhaps the greatest gobbledegook ever gobbled. <laughs> Al Sharpton, Michael. But resist we much, we must, and we will much about that be committed. So you've got the. <laughs> Clearly no plan, talking yourself into a corner and not bright enough to talk yourself out of it thing. Go ahead. Uh, Here's Kamala. See if it's similar to you.
2: It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day.
3: All right, whatever. Similar. It is similar. But it occurred to me when I heard this brand new Kamala clip. And is it not notable that every single time she steps to a microphone, we get fodder? I mean, not like some of the time, but all of the time. Listen to this new clip. Uh, 48, please, Michael.
2: So we are committed in everything we are doing. And yes, then the president did say in the State of the Union, there is a price to pay for democracy. You've got to stand with your friends. And as everybody knows, even in your personal life, being loyal to those friendships based on Common principles and values, sometimes it's difficult. Often it ain't easy. But that's what the friendship is about based on shared values. So that's what we're doing.
3: So it occurred to me as I'm listening to that one aspect of her dopiness that had not really dawned on me. She gets the I'm going to lay it on you look on her face that she usually has and then she explains something that requires no explanation oh
4: i see yeah and i see
3: i see what you're talking about yeah and she offers
4: zero (laughs) insight you're right i thought that was rather bland but you're right the blandness is she was saying something that everybody agrees with and always has and always will i mean it's just you didn't say anything and the sun comes up around six in the morning and then it gets higher in the sky, and then it's
3: almost straight overhead around noon, and then it starts to head down. I mean, those are the
4: And
0: everybody's
3: things. thinking, we know. We know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? Oh, what was the one the other day? Michael, can you go back? To, can you just search on Kamala? The other day, she was making a speech before NATO or somebody. She was talking about how what's happening is really important, because this could be war. This is war. War in Europe. Do you have that one? I think this may be it. Listen to this and listen for the explaining things to the Europeans who are up to their neck in horror. And the nice lady from America comes and tells them
2: that they're up to their necks in horror. We have reinforced our commitments, all with the mention and with the meaning of strengthening our deterrence and our collective defense.
3: No, no. That was reading from a teleprompter. That's something totally different. Uh, She was, this is war. But war is serious. War is dangerous.
6: War
1: hurts
3: people. So, you're
4: right. That is a different aspect I need to keep my eye out. So, there's the obvious embarrassment, like she talked herself into a corner and it doesn't make any sense, and then when she's on her game, she's just saying very simple facts that everybody knows, and as the day goes on, it gets warmer, and then late in the afternoon, it reaches its highest
3: temperature and starts to get cooler. And everybody's starting to look at each other like, does she think we're three? (laughs) <laughs> explaining things to adults they already know as if they're three years old. Look for that out of Kamala. That's,
4: That's her trademark. Interesting aspect of her, uh, her thing. Yeah. And then does she walk off stage thinking, nailed that one. Nailed it. Perfectly explained the whole sunrise, sunset to those people.
3: Somebody has to say, uh, excuse me, I hate to interrupt, ma- Madam Vice President Lady, but you're insulting the intelligence of every adult in this room.
4: Or, Please stop. Or, or you're just wasting my time. Are you going to say anything right. that's like new or insightful?
3: Yeah. And then I like this from uh, Phoenix Steve. Uh, Gents, the talking points coming from the Brandon administration sound like let them eat EVs. This, uh, to shift blame for poor energy policies onto Putin and big oil. Inflation was already running hot before Ukraine. The 9,000 oil leases story. How many permits and how hard is it to get a 20,000 page environmental impact to frack out in the middle of Timbuktu, uh, let alone build the infrastructure to support it? It's, uh, yeah. Marie Antoinette, let them eat electric vehicles, which, as we uh, mentioned yesterday, got an email from a uh, fellow works for Tesla. He says, we're cranking them out as fast as we can, and there isn't nearly an EV for everybody who who would want one, even though the number of people who want one is fairly modest. And the second thing is, and somebody else pointed this out. I got it around here somewhere. Uh, he was talking about California. He's Californian, and he said, the idea that the electrical grid could support the number of EVs that Biden and and Gavin Newsom are talking about. It's a fantasy. Couldn't even come close. I think about
4: this as a Tesla driver, that right now it's cool because anytime I go to a a charging station, there's always open slots. But if they ever get anywhere where they want to be, that'll go away. And you'll be waiting in line to charge your car unless they come up
3: with a hell of a lot more charging stations around the country. Right, right. So the power grid in California, as we've described for a number of years, to the delight and hilarious laughter of most of the rest of the country, if it gets hot and windy in the summertime, they have to shut it down. You want to watch TV
4: today, honey? You want to watch TV tonight, honey? You think the wind will blow?
3: Oh, we can't watch (laughs) television. The wind isn't blowing. Right, so at peak times, they beg you to not do anything already in California. The idea that we're going to have, like, 20 million electric vehicles sucking up 200 volts constantly, and and the electric grid's going to handle that, it's it's fanciful. But they never talk about that.
4: No, they don't.
1: Bastards.
0: (laughs) You'd be doing wind,
1: windmills. And if it doesn't... If it doesn't blow... You can forget about television for that night. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, if he did that stuff, he'd get elected president again. Hilarious and cutting through the crap. That's yep. why people love to He cut through the crap. Yeah. Um, I got
4: Elon oh, He Chan next.
1: Daddy.
0: at purdueglobal.edu.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
6: The
4: White House talking point that you're going to hear from every Democrat in the country, you're going to hear from the corporate media, is the increase in gas prices is all Putin's fault. And it's just a flat-out lie. Listen, gas prices had increased nearly 50% under Joe Biden before Putin invaded Ukraine. Biden declared war on U.S. energy production. He shut down the Keystone Pipeline. He shut down leases on federal lands. Yes. Yeah, so the administration's talk the last couple of days about there are all those oil permits out there, and they won't drill. Ask the oil companies how, they, how come they won't drill when... All the language coming out of this administration from the get-go has been, we're going to make it as difficult and as expensive as possible. Go ahead and invest millions and millions of dollars in a project that won't pay off maybe for years, hoping that we don't follow through on what we're talking about. Right? Because if we do follow through, it's going to make it economically not feasible for you to drill where you want to drill. That part of it is being left out of this, I feel like.
3: Let's talk about that and other topics with Lon He Chen, candidate for California State Controller, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lon He, how are you?
6: Happy Friday. Good to be with
3: you. Uh, great. So two quick questions before we get into inflation, the economy and that sort of thing. Number one, if I were to bundle a bunch of contributions to your campaign, could you get me one of those f- jobs on one of those phony boards that pay so well where you show up like twice a year?
6: No, there is no oh. pay to play off oh. campaign. Wow. All right. That's
3: disappointing. And I'm secondly, sorry. and secondly, and we were wondering about this earlier, have you at any point played Wordle?
6: You know, I have, actually. Um, And and let me just say, so my wife and I played Wordle together, I don't know, maybe like a week ago. And I'm really bad at it, as it turns out. She's very good. Like, I think she got it within, like, maybe not the first, but probably like within the first couple of of things. And I was just struggling. So maybe it was just that particular word. No. Uh, but I I, mm. I I just wasn't very good at it. Yeah,
4: we ha- we actually you know spent more time than any normal people would debating whether or not you play Wordle. On one hand, he's very smart. On the other hand, he's got kids and is very busy. But he does spend time on planes. So, yeah. <laughs> so
6: yeah, we went back <laughs> so, and you know, forth. When I'm when I'm when I'm on a plane, I I totally just zone out. I watch like really bad TV. Really, that's and interesting. Hearing hear from the, the super educated. <laughs> that's I what you never would have guessed. That. I mean. Everyone needs a little bit of time to just veg out. Yeah. I need to do more of that. When, I, when I'm on a plane, I just veg out. So, yeah. so
4: I have seen you at local gas stations putting stickers on the pumps that uh, show Joe Biden pointing to the counter, saying, "I did that." Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. The the inflation numbers say, are are exactly. you know what they are, and they're horrible, and everybody says next months are just going to be insane because that's when the uh ukraine war stuff is going to kick in with the whole inflation how is this going to play out politically and policy wise who's going to get blamed what will the reaction be what are your your predictions
6: well i i think that you have to look at the the policies we're seeing out of washington i don't think there's any question that uh, people have every right to blame the folks who are in charge and there is unified control of government democrats have control of the congress they have control of the white house and, and I think that uh, the clip you played to start the segment, it I sounded like Ted Cruz. I'm not sure yeah. who it was. But yeah. the, 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 the basic point that, that he was making was right, which is that it's, you cannot look at this uh, battle we're having right now with inflation, the battle that we're having right now with high gas prices, and say, well, it's all Putin's fault. Now, does Putin bear some responsibility? Of course he does, because we have a global market for oil, and there's, there's supply constraints and there are issues involved there. There's no question he plays some role in it. But the problem that I have with what the the White House in particular has been doing is they want to blame everything else under the sun except for their own policies, except for for the massive fiscal stimulus they pursued over the last two years that added $6 trillion in money supply to the economy. They don't want to talk about restrictions on exploration of energy. Um, They don't want to talk about foreign policy that's been put in place uh, they, they, they're just not interested in having a conversation in anything except for whatever they can deflect blame on at the moment. And right now that's Vladimir Putin, which is a very convenient uh, bogeyman. There's no question. Putin is a really bad guy. He's done some really bad things. But to say that the reason we have $7 a gallon gas in some parts of Southern California, it, it is not entirely because of what's happening in Russia, Ukraine. I think people just need to understand that this is a convenient, yet another convenient excuse from a White House that refuses to accept responsibility for their own policy decisions.
3: So, Lonnie, I was a weird little kid in the 70s, and I, uh, I read the paper all the time, read Time Magazine cover to cover. But for those not uh, old enough to remember the inflation in the 70s, early 80s, what are some of the tools policymakers have to, to decrease inflation, to wrestle it back down again? What would that look like?
6: Yeah, well, the, the, the Fed would be one sort of big lever here, right? The question is what the Federal Reserve Bank has done with, uh, with rates, with interest rates over, over time. And interest rates have been exceedingly low for a very, very long period of time. And so that has been the source for some people of, of, uh, of explanation about why we're starting to see uh, inflation not just creep up, but jump up is that some of that's coming home to roost. The the other thing is, you know, it's very, very difficult to turn back fiscal stimulus. It's very easy politically to pass fiscal stimulus. You saw that uh, twice last year, the so-called American Rescue Plan, and then uh, the series of stimulus packages we had during the height of the COVID pandemic. Policymakers used fiscal policy essentially to put a lot of money into the economy. Now, some will argue, well, you know, we needed that at the time because, uh, precisely of the fact that the economy was struggling and people were struggling and the job market was uh, was problematic. And there's no question that some stimulus probably would have been agreed on by the vast majority of people, but not $6 trillion worth, right? So the question is, what can we do now to turn that back? And unfortunately, there really aren't a lot of easy solutions that don't involve significant economic pain. The Fed mm-hmm. will begin to raise interest rates. The Fed will begin to, to, to taper down some of those really, really historically low rates we've seen. And that will help, but that's going to take time. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens with the global market for oil and whether that specifically impacts gas prices. But it's more than just gas prices, guys. As you know, commodity prices are up. The the price of a gallon of milk has increased substantially over the last year. Things that basic, uh, basic necessities that California and American families need have gotten tremendously more expensive. And I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but there really isn't a whole lot in the short run that can be done to really temper the challenges that we're seeing. What we're seeing now is the product of years of bad policy. Oh, boy. Years of bad policy. And, and it's just very, very difficult for me to sit here and say, we can snap a finger and make things better. I mean, this notion, let me just conclude by saying this. There's this idea, okay, well, maybe we've got to release a little bit more oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Maybe if the allied countries of the world get together and everybody releases a little bit more oil, that is a drop in the bucket. Literally and proverbially, it is a drop in the bucket. It is not going to solve $7 a gallon gas. It's just not. And so yeah. we, we're, we're in we're really deep trouble right now.
4: So that's a policy stuff, just the, the, you know, the political stuff of what's people on on people's minds when they go to vote. So I ran an errand the other night, and for the first time in God, since I was very young, at the end of it, I thought, what did that cost me to drive there and back? And was shocked and thought, oh, yeah. I need to start planning my trips differently than yesterday. as at the grocery store <laughs> what you were just talking about. I didn't buy much stuff at all. And it was a $75 bill. And I was like, this is crazy. So is this going to be practically the only issue on voters' minds pretty soon? And then how does that play out?
6: Yeah, no, it, it is going to be a, a massive issue. So, you know, when we look at what drives electoral outcomes on the political side. And we think about, you know, really, what is the biggest issue? It always ends up being pocketbook issues. I mean, unless you're in the middle of a massive war uh, or or there's some massive national security challenge, as there was after 9-11, in that 2002 midterm cycle, uh, national security was top of people's minds. But really, if you look at every other midterm election cycle subsequent to that, all of the research has told us that voters and, and citizens, what they care about is the state of the economy. And so I think absolutely the inflationary pressure we're seeing is going to be front and center. And and people are going to be looking to figure out, you know, who they can hold responsible for it. Let me just say this. I think the other challenge we have is that you've got a lot of people who are in power right now who refuse to admit responsibility. This gets back to the point I was making earlier. And that's frustrating to people, right? People just want the politicians to take some accountability, Take some responsibility for the decisions they've made and say, yeah, you know what? That wasn't the best thing. Let's figure out how we can unwind this together instead of trying to cast blame everywhere and say, well, the reason we have inflation is because of the other guys, you know, or, or you know, because of whatever, some foreign madman who's doing crazy things. And, you know, all of the all of these are, are part of the explanation. But I think what frustrates people politically is not only does it appear as though the policymakers, the politicians who are there now refuse to accept responsibility. But it doesn't look like they're really trying to solve the problem. It looks like they're just trying to argue with each other. And I think that's very frustrating to people politically as well.
3: I guarantee you're right. Lon He Chen, a David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford. If you see him on a plane, he'll be watching The Bachelorette on his iPad. Uh, Lon oh,
4: He, yeah. we, we really <laughs> appreciate the time. Thanks.
6: <laughs> Thanks, guys.
4: Yeah, so, you gotta, you, you, so you'd see a guy like him over there, and you'd see him watching The Bachelor on his iPad, and I would feel superior. I'd think, "Wow, that's what you do with your time, huh?" Harvard Law teaches at Stanford. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta wind down sometimes. I should do that more often. I
3: don't do it enough. Maybe I'd be less what I am if I did more of what he was talking about. Right, right. Maybe less physical confrontations with the staff. Hardly a day goes by right. Jack oh, doesn't swing. Nice. Oh, yeah. Swing on poor Michael. Michael's got to put him in a headlock, as usual. Another day, <laughs> another headlock, Michael. Am I wrong? I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, Lon, he is a good person in a field full of bad people. The idea that they should say, hey, look, we tried this policy and it worked on one uh, hand, but it also caused this, and so now we're having to deal with the inflation. It's just, it's it's not going to happen. Uh, never admit responsibility. Deny, deny, deny. I mean, it's, it's like page one in the Politico playbook. I think they're in trouble on this whole, whole oil thing. They listen too much to Twitter. They
4: think there's a way larger chunk than there is of people that are willing to make all kinds of green sacrifices to get off oil. You know, there's a poll the other day. It's something like 80% of Americans want oil companies to do more oil exploration in the United States. And uh I think they're going to be on the wrong side of that issue if, the, if they're listening to Twitter too much. The average Democrat would say, drill, baby, drill. I think. And obviously, all the Republicans.
3: Wow. And certainly enough Democrats would say that, combined with the huge number of Republicans and a very impressive number of independents, that you're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Especially, I agree. they're going to get murdered over this economic stuff.
4: If they don't change their tune on the whole oil gas thing. If you look like you're, like Lonnie was saying, if you look like you're working to solve the issue, you know, you're, you're loosening it up and we're going to drill, he's going to have to just ignore the loudest green people. And just tell him to f off if he wants to win this issue, because he'll have to just
3: go against them 180 degrees, and I don't think he's going to do it. So we need to take a break. But I heard a great illustration of how inflation works the other day. I mean, what one of the causes the of it? That Lanhee... go up. <laughs> That's why I tried to amend my description there, Jack, my boy. But uh, how, uh, like, fiscal stimulus causes it, and that sort of thing. It's great for like children. You can understand. And in adults, if it's kind of mystifying to you, uh, you know, I'll share that with you. Unlike Kamala Harris, I will not explain something you already understand at length with a look on my face like I'm laying down the Ten Commandments.
1: But I think you'll find this interesting.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't, why am I
6: mentioning this? But it's on your car. You had your big toe chopped off. Why are you telling this?
0: When I was 12 years old, I was riding a 10-speed bike with flip-flops, and I fell and completely cut off the top of my toe. Uh-huh. And the next car that came by were two paramedics that were on their way to their job, and they said, it's just a laceration. And uh, my toe is reattached, and I just want to say thank you to them 30 years later. Thank you. That
2: that
3: may have been the most pointless story ever told. So that's
4: on Wheel of Fortune. That's Pat Sajak. Poor poor man Um, lost it. Did he say which toe?
3: Well, he was lacerated. I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't know. That is a heck of a story to work into Wheel of Fortune. Well, I think it was probably in that uh, gym. It says here that you blankety blank. You love scuba diving. Oh, I do. I just the peace under the water. It's beautiful, Pat. You know that segment of the show. Get to know the contestants. This Linda, guy. I'm told you can. Uh, I'm told you can put both feet behind your head. Is that true? Oh boy, let me show you, Pat. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. The poor man had a lacerated toe, and for some reason, Pat Sajak, whose who's joy for life has left him, and he's now a bitter husk of a man. He's a monster. <laughs> lashed out against the poor, nine-toed uh, <laughs> average American. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. So <laughs> That uh, puts it's, it's another feather in his map, I'll tell you that. <laughs> beautiful. So I heard it uh, the other day. I thought this was beautiful. Uh, this is how inflation works. This is a big aspect of it. And uh, you're, you're thinking, yeah, okay, so we pumped trillions of dollars into the economy, but uh, you got five hungry people and there are 3 hamburgers. Uh-oh. Ask those hungry people what they'd be willing to pay for the hamburger. You get various answers and 3 of them would say, "You know what? I'll give you 20 bucks. I'll give you, a, you know, I'll give you 18," but and they they get the hamburgers. Okay, now do the same thing except hand each one of those 5 people 5 $20 bills. So they have $100 that they didn't have before and they're hungry the bidding for those hamburgers goes up 100% of the time it is a truism of economics and we as a government the united states government pumped 6 trillion dollars into the economy more dollars chasing as it turns out fewer goods partly because of the covid thing and and now the 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 vicious cycle of inflation has begun people are buying cuz they don't buying now cuz they don't want to buy later rising right, so- perfect example of it So now you've got definitely
4: got the emotional aspect of inflation that is very, very hard to stop that cycle. As I mentioned, I went to buy some tires and wheels and they told me, Good thing you bought now. It's all going up 15% to kick off next month. Well, that made me think, Are there any other things I need to buy? Because I got to buy them now or they'll be 10, 15, 20% more expensive this summer. And if
3: everybody's doing that, obviously that drives up prices. And the other aspect of it, this is, Judy's not thrilled with our kitchen. We've been talking about remodeling it, maybe, and and this is true of selling houses, too. If we were to, like, call in three contractors to, to remodel the kitchen, they could walk in, give us their bid, and punch me in the stomach, and then walk out again, and they would still get the business because people are so desperate for housing. Construction, Construction materials, so they, they get the business and the enjoyment of punching you in the stomach. <laughs> exactly. What am I going to do? What? No, you can't have the business. You punch me in the stomach. No, I need somebody. I need it bad. So you get people chasing in the desperation. All it's ugly, and the only way to to deal with it is to just choke the economy, which is a lovely prospect. You know, it's not of, ugly. Yeah.
4: What's that? The national
3: pastime. So do I understand? Baseball
4: came to a uh, conclusion yesterday. They're gonna they're gonna play.
3: Yes, they are. Yeah, young Alex, a big sports fan, uh, is joining us from the newsroom. What's the story? Uh, So the
4: players and the owners came to an agreement yesterday. It is signed. April 7th is opening day. We get a full 162 games. There are some rules adjustments. The National League will now have the designated hitter. What? Yes. No. Really? They will. That was decided out of this? No. Yes. Wow. Somebody check on Joe. The National League will have a designated hitter. And now six teams from each league make the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, how many teams make the playoffs? Uh, Six. So, uh, three division winners, three wild cards, and they're going to run them like the NFL playoffs. Okay, so here, but here's the difference between the NFL and Major League Baseball the number of games. I'm, if you're going to play 162 games and then half the teams make the playoffs like they do in the other sports, what's the incentive to, to care all season long as the, a fan?
1: The love of the yeah.
3: game? Yeah. Sure. I just like watching the game played. But uh but, you you know, know, Pennant I races get the to... MVP, I'm going to say I'd like to thank the uh, National League for putting the designated hitter in. I'd like to thank my dog, wife, for supporting me through this long season.
4: But Ooh. I think you're going to have... I think you're going to have more good players
3: hanging out and, uh, you know,
4: all of a sudden having a sore wrist and not being able to play.
3: Sure, like the NBA.
4: Yeah. Um, so no more pitchers batting. and That's just over.
3: I'll be yeah. Wow. That, I had gripe about that, but nobody cares. You don't care. Bunch of baseball games. Hmm. Baseball matches. So I was going to get to the difficulty of confiscating Russian oligarchs' yachts. Because we've got them seized, but there's nothing you can do with them. Maybe we'll do it next hour. If you don't get next hour, grab it via podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. We'll have it for you in a little bit.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
3: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Open a limited time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or Kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.